final week, the wrap-up week. And I am so grateful that God does not act like a stock. <laughs> I am grateful God does not act like a stock. Let's say you bought a stock at 50 bucks a share. Maybe you've been through this, maybe you haven't. You bought a stock for 50 bucks a share. A week later, it's worth 25 bucks a share. Lost half of its value, right? You are down 50%. And what's worse is now just to get back to even, just to get back to where you started, you've got to double that thing. You've got to have a 100% return, right? To just to get back to even. You've got a long ways to go, a lot of ground to make up before you break back to even. Just to get back to where you started, right? Stocks do not give us a start over option and they are not very forgiving whatsoever. Stocks don't care how you feel about anything. They just do what stocks will do. But here's the difference between God and stocks. And Tom was hitting on this a little bit. God bought us at a price. The death of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross was payment for our sins. And when we accepted Jesus as our Lord, we got a start over. From that point forward, we were cleansed of all of our sins. We were even with God. And that's how it is for everyone that accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior. But if you're like me, and probably 100% of the other people that have accepted Jesus Christ in here, you've messed up after that point. I remember when I got saved... That afternoon, I was driving to my grandma's house thinking, man, I am clean. I am, I'm, I'm like perfect right now. You know, I'm not wanting to touch anything. And I looked down at the speedometer. I'm doing 55 and a 50. And I said, ah, broke the law. I'm all, see, I'm already messing this thing up. I'm already jacking it up. I've been saved 15 minutes, and I've already broken a law. God's raining wrath down on me now. <laughs> And if we've done that, but maybe, maybe for you it's this money thing. Maybe this money thing you have gotten all, all jacked up that we've been talking about. Once we come to accept the fact that we're not perfect and that we've messed up, you know, the Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one in here that is perfect, not even after you're saved. We jack it up. We get messed up. And once we start realizing that, realizing that we're not up there with God, that we've messed this thing up, we can start feeling like our worth has been cut down. Kind of like that stock. We're just becoming less and less and less in value. And we think, man, I have done so much wrong. I've had this money thing all jacked up. I've been just completely opposite of God. I've got all this debt. I've been living materialistically. Uh, my stuff runs my life. I've turned my children into materialistic people. I've done all of these things wrong. And we feel like we are so far from God that we are so far down. Some people even go as far as to say is, God can't even forgive me anymore. I'm just, just forget it. And we feel like we've got so much ground to make up that it's, that it's useless. We feel like we've digging this huge hole that we're down in. That we feel like we can never get back up to the top. Some of you might be so far into debt that you think it's not even fathomable that I can ever be back. I can never get back to where I was, where God wanted me to be. And we say, just forget it. No, that's not what God says. God says, this is how God is, is different from stocks. Okay? Because if we simply say, I'm making a change. We have that line in the sand kind of moment. We have that moment where we turn around and we say, I'm going to start doing things God's, God's way. I'm going to start digging myself out 
of this hole. When you turn around, let me tell you what you're not going to find. You are not going to find God standing up at the edge of this proverbial hole, waiting for you to dig yourself out and to get back up to where He is. God is not some tyrant or dictator waiting for you to make things right and to right all of the wrongs that you've done and just waiting. What you find is that God has followed you down into this hole. And the minute that you turn around, he is right there nose to nose with you, helping you to get back out of this hole. Because God's love for you is too great for him to watch you walk away. Whether it's money or alcohol or pornography, whatever it is that's driving you away from God. God does not just stand back on the waiting line or the starting line, waiting for you to eventually turn around and then make up all that ground just to get back to him. God says, no. I won't watch you walk into the burning house. I will follow you into the burning house. Because I know, I know that someday you're going to turn around and you're going to look for me. And I will be there to show you the way out. And over the last few weeks, I hope that God has been showing you through me ways that you can get out. And showing you that God isn't waiting for you to, to get everything right before he comes. No perfect people, right? Come as you are. That's what God says. Come as you are. Let me share with you the point in history that I turned around and I found God standing at the bottom of that hole with me. And I've been talking about the reformation of my universe. And this is the final chapter where my universe completely got reformed and it was finally in its, in its final form. Okay. Now, you know that when I first became a Christian, I, I found out the hard way that it was God's money and not mine. Had no idea what to do with that information yet, right? Just like you. Had no idea what to do with this yet, but I knew I couldn't ignore it. I tithed every once in a while just to make my feel, myself feel better, but then I'd feel guilty again and tithe a little more. I only tithed when I was guilty. <laughs> okay? Fast forward a couple years, the story of Ron Cowan paying off that hospital bill for me. God began to show me what money was really there for, what money could really do in people's lives. I wasn't spiritually ready yet. But God was showing me what money's real purpose was. And then you fast forward about four or five more years, my universe is starting to reshape. And the next big reformation came when my first son was born. And I told you the story of my drive home, where I told God, I no longer want that $100,000 job. I just want to be able to provide for my family. I want to be able to coach a ball team. That was my conversation, and my universe began to reform some more, and it was starting to come into focus, but the outline was still a little fuzzy, and this is the final chapter of this, about a couple, you know, six weeks later, when my wife was getting ready to go back to teaching. She was a third grade school teacher. We were living on two incomes. We needed the two incomes, right? We were a two-income family, using it all, okay? We took my son, Asher to the babysitters that we were going to leave him with. I mean, it was a perfect situation. It was two blocks around from the school that my wife was going to teach at. The lady was wonderful. She was clean. My wife had taught some of her kids. It was perfect. So we walk in with Asher, and we're looking around, and the house is nice and clean and tidy. And as the lady was talking and saying some stuff, I found myself uh, drifting from her conversation and focusing on a little one-year-old that was in the corner, not being neglected, not being ignored or or abused in any way, but, but at the same time, left to his own devices, 
playing on his own. And at that moment, I said, is that how I want my son to be raised? And by the time Lindsay and I got back out to the car, we both knew. We both stood in the, uh, sat in the car, and we just looked at each other and really didn't say a whole lot, just with tears, saying, no. I don't know how. I don't know how we're going to make it, but you're not going back to work. You're going to stay home. You're going to raise our, our child the way God intended. Now, by the time I was at the end of that driveway, God had completely reformed my universe. I finally knew what, God, what money was supposed to do, and I finally understood money's role and that so many more things were more important. I had total clarity at that point. Not clarity of how we were going to make it, because we were going from X amount, and we were cutting that by about 50%, okay? I didn't know how we would make it. I was just absolutely positive that we could. Because I knew at that moment that I was in the will of God, and I was right where he wanted me to be. Now, I'm not knocking two-income families, okay? I'm not knocking that. And I don't say these things to brag. I say these things to share my Reformation story with you. Because you are going to be going through the same process. And hopefully by me sharing some parts of my story, I can speed up your process of some of the things that I did wrong. And I can speed your process up. Your decisions are your decisions. Your Reformation will be yours. It is unique to you. We all will take the same test, but the questions are different for everyone. So, the decisions that you face will be similar to mine. The test is the same, but the questions are different. But I knew that we were in the right will of God, and it was that decision that day in that driveway at that moment changed everything. It changed everything. Exactly one year later, my son was born on October 4th. One year later to the day was my last day at Walmart and my first day in the financial services industry. Exactly one year. It's not coincidence. It's not. Some people will say it's coincidence, but I know it's not. Because we make many decisions that take us from where God is. A lot of things that we do on a day-to-day basis will push us away from God because of the poor decisions that we make. But it takes only one to get us right back with him, side by side, with him fighting the battle with us. It takes only one step in the other direction from where we're going to get God, to show God that you are committed to getting back to him. It takes one whisper of repentance. God, I'm sorry. It takes one change in action. Maybe it's no more debt. It takes one prayer of commitment. And God can call down and have leagues of angels fighting upon your behalf so that no hole is too deep. If you are truly, genuinely committed to doing finances God's way, I will tell you that it only takes one more degree one more degree to make a huge difference in your life. I promise you. I hope that our journey together over the last four weeks has cracked your universe open as mine was many years ago. But I hope, also hope that it doesn't stay that way. 
I hope that it is reformed and you can go through the same learning and experience that I went through. I also hope we gave you a new target for your financial life that will accompany you as you go on this journey. My prayer for everyone under the sound of my voice this morning is that we can look back at some point during these last four weeks and say that was my line in the sand. That was my aha moment, my, my rabid dog moment, my life-changing moment, Pastor Joe, my life-changing moment. That was the day I decided to step it up a notch, make the turn, and start working for God and doing things God's way. Because it is then and only then that we will be able to experience the true peace the true financial peace that can only come from God and then you will experience all of the blessings that God has in store for you and your family. Thank you very much for having me these last four weeks. It's been a pleasure. Tommy? Did you guys enjoy Chad? Well, hasn't it been an awesome month? It's really good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, one, one quick side note there. Um, I tried to get Chad on his shirt again this morning. Those of you guys that are new, Chad told us in the first week that he only paid 25 cents for his shirt. And then he come back in the next week and he had a, a shirt that looked pretty sharp on. So I said, there's no way you only paid 25 cents. He said it was given to him. Now this week he has an even sharper shirt on. So I said, there is no way that you paid 25 cents for that. And he said he's had this shirt for two years. So um, it's free, 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 absolutely free. So uh, my um, mother-in-law has good taste in shirts. So, yeah, you know. well, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, hey, uh, we've had a lot of fun. Uh, we've been talking about finances, stuff like that. And I have another special friend here with me. Um, and I would like for him to come at this time. This is Michael Golightly. And um, Michael's been in the financial and banking business for uh, many years and, and has a just an expertise on dealing with finances and helping us deal with uh, things like budget. Um, we're going to ask some questions like, are we in a recession? Um, things like that. So this is Michael Golightly. This is my friend, Ugh. Mike. Good to have you. Um, I want to give him a mic. Um, Mike, if you would, before we go into just, we're only going, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have about 10 minutes of a Q&A. Some of you have sent us some emails um, all throughout this topic and you've had questions, and we're going to ask some, these two guys some questions that are going to help us, and then we're going to uh, give you a little information, and then we're going to be uh, praying and going home. So just to let you know where we're going with this. But uh, Mike, tell us a little bit about, about yourself. I've been in the financial arena for about uh, oh, 18 years or so. I started off in financial services, uh, doing uh, mutual funds, insurance, and, and such. Got into banking about 10 years ago. Uh, currently, I'm a commercial lender. I uh, do financing, mortgages, so forth. All right. All right. Um, Mike's a close friend of mine. He has an unbelievable testimony. Catch him on the side and uh, just ask him his testimony about his own personal life change. You guys hear us talk about life change a lot around here. Um, and and it, look around you. Everybody that's around you has a story and a testimony. Um, but if you get a chance, hit Mike on the side. and He's got an amazing testimony that will challenge you. Have some questions here. And I'm going to kind of act like a... I don't want to use Dr. Phil as an example because I'm bald. Who's a good looking talk show host? Montel. Who said Montel? <laughs> well, you people are mean, I'm telling you. 
Okay. Um, uh, first question, we're just going to, and you guys can go back and forth or hit whoever decides to hit this, but um, uh, the first question we got from our email, uh, you guys emailed these questions, and we're going to be firing away at these. Are we in a recession? <laughs> yes. Next question. <laughs> there you go. Um, yes, we are. I believe we are. It's not been a person. It hasn't been announced yet. The Fed hasn't. The Fed committee hasn't officially came out and said yes. It started back then, um, but I believe we are in a recession. I believe it started somewhere in November. Uh, we felt that way since since unemployment hit five percent on January fourth is when we felt like the turning point was. That was we felt up until that point recession was avoidable. But after that, um, once you can't keep paychecks coming at a consistent rate, we we felt that that was the final leg of the stool that was going to keep us supported out of a recession. Um, but here's the thing, there's many different types of recessions. There's deep ones and shallow ones. We don't feel like this one's going to be extremely deep. We think it's going to be more of a normal recession. Um, and a normal recession, you know, if you can call them normal, uh, they're usually about 10 months in length. Um, once you realize you're in one and it's been announced, it's usually about halfway over. <laughs> so that's the good thing. And the market is always looking six to nine months ahead. So we feel like we got, we're in a recession. We think it started in November, maybe December. Uh, run through September, October of this year, market will prob has probably got it discounted in already. We think that throughout this, the, the rest of this year, the markets will probably move higher because it's already priced in. But not, I believe we are. Not depression. Not a de no, not a depression. Okay. Actually, I, I think we're on the verge of a depression, and I think we could go either direction at this point. If we have another issue of, uh, uh, if the war continues, uh, depends on what happens in the, uh, the White House. Uh, it really could go, could go downhill, I believe. Okay. Uh, the housing market, there is some, in the St. Louis area, we've got some major lenders that are in the process of going under. Um, as far as speculators, the people that are doing the lofts are pulling out of the St. Louis area. Um, and again, I too think we can recover, uh, but if we have another catastrophe, uh, and it could be anything, an earthquake, a uh, um, hurricane, any of those issues could cause us to uh, teeter on the, the downside. So just that, that shaky ground right there. Um, another, another question, Mike, what, what can we do? Um, some, some, some practical things that we can do maybe. Pray. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, it still comes down to, to the basics of finances. You have to look to yourself, take the steps that, are, that you know you have to do to protect your household, your family, your finances. Uh, get some reserves, get some savings set aside. Uh, do the practical things and be the responsible individuals that we must be. Yeah, Dave Ramsey says the best. He says, if you're not in debt, you don't feel a recession. If you're not in debt, you don't feel a recession. That's simply it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <clears throat> the, the behavior, um, kind of what you said, the degrees and the behavior of our money, the way that we behave toward that, um, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, look at it head on. You have, to, uh, you have to examine your own finances. You have to do it on an everyday basis. You've got to be proactive in seeing where you're at. Uh, go online, look at your accounts. Don't be afraid of them. Uh, take a look at your credit cards. Don't be afraid of it. Uh, attack it. Uh, be, be aggressive towards it. Uh, you can't let your finances lead you. You have to lead them. How many of you look on at your finances every day? <laughs> All right, four of you, great. <laughs> That's good. Um, I think uh, engaging, that's a, that's a problem that I have is engaging every day in the process of that with our money. Because, uh, and I use the word escapism a lot. We like to escape from that problem. We just want to ignore it. Um, and I guess that's probably not the best way 
Right, it, can, it can be overwhelming, you know, when we, when we are looking at it and you don't see any way out. You know, it's the same thing if you get into any type of sin. It becomes overwhelming, so you withdraw. You withdraw from church, you withdraw from fellowship, you withdraw from people. We do it on every level of our lives. It's human nature, but that's not God's way for us. He wants us to attack. He wants us to put on that armor and go forward. That's good. That's yeah. good. That's good. Um, another question. What impact um, is the election going to have on the stock market this year? <clears throat> Yet to be determined. <clears throat> Typically, election years, um, people, you know, the, the market does not like uncertainty. The market can deal with just about anything except for the unknown. Um, so we know that we're going to have a change this year. The market is already kind of thinking about that, you know, because Bush is at his eighth year. Just the, the main question is, is a Democrat, Republican, is what kind of, I think the, the biggest wild card out there is the, the future, I guess our country is using escapism when it comes to very, very serious issues like Social Security and Medicare, mm -hmm. uh, things that are going to bankrupt our, company in 30 or, our country in 30 or 40 years if we don't get them right. So I think um, usually the, the elections and in election years, if you go back and you do the, the analysis, election years are usually positive for the markets. They don't create a big slowdown. Mm -hmm. I, I think this one is unique in, in the respects of some of the things that, that are, my, my, my comrade here just said, that there's a lot of unknowns, that the taxes uh, are going to be a big issue. Um, the, 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 this, uh, the social programs that, that need to be addressed that aren't, be, aren't uh, we can't fund them the way they are right now. And everyone is worried about getting elected the next time around instead of trying to fix a problem. Yeah. And we've just been handing this thing down for, for the, you know, every couple of years we hand it to the next Congress. Well, you know, we'll hand it to the next one. I, I can't, I don't want to go back to work in my day job. I want to stay in Congress. So I'm not going to attack that issue and make some people mad. So I think the election is, it's, I'm not sure. Usually it's positive. This year there's too much riding on it. It's, it's an unknown at this point. All right. Mike, yeah. how do you feel about that? You feel uh, pretty, pretty much the same. Uh, the stock market is a, uh, it's going to go up, it's going to go down, and I can almost guarantee that. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, That's very called waxing eloquently. Is what that is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, we're going to open um, up this can of worms. In our life groups, some of you guys have been hitting me questions about tithes. How many have different opinions about ties in the room? We all seem to sometimes have different opinions, varying things. And I've I'll, had five different opinions in the last seven or eight years. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure. Change my um, and so we're going to ask these guys just their, their particular thoughts on that um, and on the tithing issue. Some of you have asked this question, and we're going to ask it. Um, tithe, net or gross? Gross. Okay. This is my feeling. Okay. God well. says it's on the first fruits. You know, I don't think... I just and, and and you know and let me let me clarify one thing here, Tom. This is not a salvation issue. Yeah, definitely. tithing is not a salvation issue. It, it's a personal issue between you and God. If you don't tithe, God's not going to say, "Well, you're not in the club." Okay, salvation is not tied to whether you tithe or not. But I will tell you that your financial peace and your financial freedom is, because God will not bless those who are not obedient to Him. All right. So if you want to be in the will of God financially, tithe. If you're just worried about getting into heaven, don't worry about it. <laughs> but if you want to be financially blessed by God, then tithe. And I believe you tithe it on the gross because God says it's of the first fruits. And I don't want to explain to God why I felt like I had to pay for a war in Iraq before I paid his church. Yeah. So before taxes, before anything else, 
the tithe comes off the top. All right, all right. Mike, your thoughts? Um, I'm kind of on the net side. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is, that's why we have two days. This is great. Um, the, uh, God would, God would uh, take the, t- the 10% of the harvest, and uh, they had to keep seeds set aside for the next year's planting. Um, if you did not, if you had a crop failure, where would you be? Um, I, now, the other side of this, as you go into tithing, uh, there's a whole list of offerings involved. So God brought, you bring your 10% of the increase, but there was plenty of room for offerings and for giving. Uh, the society that they had then was, out of the uh, Hebrews, was totally different than what we have. Um, usury was not allowed. Bankers were not uh, very fond of, <laughs> thought of very fondly. Um, totally different society. They took care of themselves. They, they took care of their family. They took care of the, the elderly were there and were taken care of and were respected. Our society doesn't lend itself to that. Um, I believe that God wants you to be wise, to give very generously to the church. I also believe that it's not a requirement for salvation. God's grace is sufficient for all of us. Um, but I believe it's pretty much on the net side, as if I had to draw a line. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I love the distinction here. I love the distinction. Um, think of tithe also in this way, and let me add this, the stewardship of life, not just your money, which is very important, but your time, your talent, and your treasure, the stewardship of life. Um, we want to look at tithe religiously a lot. Um, net and, and net and gross. gross are governmental terms, you know, um, and, and encouraging each and every one of you to pray through that. Many of you are unpacking this subject in your life groups. Continue to unpack it. Continue to have great dialogue about those things. And continue to email us your questions on the tithe issue. Now, before we close this down, um, I want to open up the audience here. And I want to run back. And if you guys have any questions that you would like to ask uh, these guys up here, we want to go ahead and do that right now. Uh, Anybody want to fire away some questions? I'm going to scan the audience here. Anybody? All right. We got one in the back. I get to run. Tom's been waiting all week to do this. (laughs) That's all he's talked about. I get to run around with the microphone. Uh, we're supposed to be getting these rebate checks from the government. What would you recommend doing with them? <laughs> I, I wouldn't spend it as they're encouraging to. I would look to either uh, pay off some debt or keep it as reserve personally. Verbatim. All right. All right. Anybody else? Come on. Let's fire away. Uh, well, all right. <laughs> well, odds are it's a return of your principal a little bit because it's coming from tax dollars. Um, uh, when will it be paid back? You're going to pay it back in your future tax dollars to go back into the system. I believe it's actually a, uh, a, a discount from next year's uh, tax refunds. If you were going to be getting a refund next year, I believe that's going to be uh, calculated into that, if I'm not mistaken. Is it? Uh, for the 2009 filing. Next calendar year. Yes. Uh, yeah. First time buyer, I, w- I would be very seriously looking at homes. Um, a lot of options out there right now. The government's stepping in to present some additional programs. Uh, there's some grants and funds if you don't have the down payment available. Plus, it's a buyer's market. Uh, I think it's going to get a little bit worse as far as uh, for the seller. Uh, I, I see some more downturn yet. 
Yeah. Um, but I think you can you could really pick a home now and really negotiate a good deal. I would agree. You know, Warren Buffett, the greatest investor ever lived, he doesn't even worry about getting the bottom 10%. Don't try to get that absolute bottom dollar. If you buy right now, you're getting a darn good price. Take it. And, you know, with interest rates, you know, there's an argument to be made either way, but I think a year from now, interest rates may be higher. So I think you're probably at a low point in interest rates as well, most likely, or at least close enough for horseshoes. So. All right. Anybody else? Yeah, right here. Scott, we'll go over here and then we'll get over to Bill. I, yeah, I'll, I'll tackle that. I, I think a lot of student loans. Well, here's the deal. It's, it's like, you know, if, if, if you try to invest or save or do any investing while you're still paying interest on some types of loans, I don't care if it's a 4% tax deductible interest rate, that's better. But, um, you know, if you're, if you're paying out 4% here and you're making aid over here, you're, you're trying to fill the bathtub with the drain half open. You're wasting a lot of water. It sounds like you're doing good, but you're really not getting anywhere. So if you're just, especially if you're just out of college, you got a lot of time to go. Um, well, you're not. <laughs> but um, I, I would say pay down the debt first and get rabbit on that. Use the debt snowball. Uh, get it paid off. And then you'll have more money to, to put towards investing. Because here's the deal. If, if you're in debt and you're making payments and you're trying investing on the side, the first emergency that comes around, you're going to have to go liquidate in your investments, maybe at a bad time, maybe at penalties, tax, you know, with tax ramifications. I think it's best to get, get out of debt with everything except your house before you start an investing program. So, yeah, I would pretty much agree with that. Uh, only modification is once you have your savings in place, I would always be contributing to my 401k, especially if there's any type of matching involved. Um, take, you know, when people ask me about investing in my 401k, always take it up to the matching level, and then you can start thinking about what you should do after that. That's exactly what we said last week. That's right. That's Thank right. You. That's good. That's good. Thanks, Scott. Scott. That's that, a very good question. That is how at least half of us come to the real, we come to that realization once we actually sit down and put it all on paper. That's when you start, you really got to get rabid about it and you got to pinky swear and spit shake with your spouse and say, look, what's a need and what's a want? Remember wontons nail salon? If you find yourself in that situation, well, wontons becomes a need that is really at the very, very end of the list, right? But it's so easy to justify stuff. So you got you to go through there and start giving haircuts. What is, it that, what is it that does not require us to eat and live and, be, and sustain life in this house? Anything that doesn't do one of those things gets taken out be, until we can get this thing balanced. Because you either decrease your outflows or you increase your inflows. Some of us can't increase our inflows because we're in a job that we get raises each year. We're not in a position to be able to do that. So you have to decrease your outflows. Uh, part of it goes else? back to uh, goal setting too. You know, as you target these, you, it may require a second job, at least temporary. Uh, work yeah. on f setting those goals. Saying, "I want to make this debt go away. What do I have to do to make that happen?" If it's a five thousand dollar debt, find a second job that's going to earn you that in three months, six months, uh, whatever it takes. But you focus on that and make it happen. Dave Ramsey talks about delivering pizzas in the Papa evenings. John's, Domino's. Go throw some pizzas. Um, and, and also to, to help Mike out, um, go to a barber. You don't have to go to a hairstylist. Yeah. You go to a barber. Great clip. Get your haircut for seven bucks versus 20. <laughs> they don't give you a cranium massage, but, right. but they do cut your hair. I'm just teasing. <laughs> Frohawk. 
Okay. Um, anybody else? Anybody have good questions here? Right here. I, you could go on the internet and find, uh, just type in first-time home buyers. I was on there a couple of weeks ago doing some shopping for a, a customer that's looking to, to purchase a home. A lot of grants. Um, there are some things now in Jefferson County area that just came out in the last uh, three to six months, about a $10,000 grant. Uh, there's also some gifting programs that are available that um, where if you find a motivated uh, seller can actually gift funds to a third party to help you with your down payment. Wow, that's good. That's good. Jamie, I'm sure you don't need the microphone. I'm a commission job. I, that's what I kind of do. I mean, basically, I, I, I know exactly what my fixed expenses are each month to pay the bills, to buy food, to keep the lights on. And I break my commission goals down per day. This is what I need to do today and every day to get me to where I know my expenses are covered. Now, when you're trying to budget how much inflows you're going to have month to month, you got to give yourself some time and you got to kind of average things out. You know, not a great month, not a horrible month, but an okay month, what do I make? And kind of use that as your baseline. But like I said during the budgeting week, you've got to get your, your emergency fund closer to the six month instead of the three months because you need more flub room depending on its slowdown, you know, a couple bad months here and there. You've still got a job, it's just you got lower pay. So you got to, you know, find your average, 6 or 12-month average, and work with that number, but keep your emergency fund on the high side. All right, two more questions. We're, we're getting close on time here, actually. We're running over, over here, Tom. a little bit. Two more. Yes. I don't know. Uh, none that I you. know of. I know that FEMA is, has not been very supportive over the long run with actually a lot of talk but no real money coming out of it, um, and that's rather historical for uh, the federal aid programs, other than allowing you to have an extension on your taxes. <laughs> okay. Wonderful. That's good. Mike. <laughs> that's an insider. For some of you guys, that's an inside joke. So. See me <laughs> after pretty class. Funny. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Okay. Um, Idiot. Any last words? Idiot. That's my last word. <laughs> okay. okay uh, it's been did, a pleasure. Didn't these guys do awesome? Thank you guys very much. Have you enjoyed our speaker this month? And we, we are going, Chad will be working with us too as we go through our journey as a church together, as we go through our lives together. We want to we help you with those needs. We want to meet some of those needs with good practical knowledge and what the Word of God says and things we can do today to have victory in our finances. We want you to have that. Um, and to be blessed very much. So we'll always bring Chad in every once in a while as a teaching pastor to help us out and to give us direction. Also, Mike Golightly, we'll bring him in and allow him to share with us some things. Um, and, and these guys, they give this freely unto us. Um, Chad's been here all month long. He's traveled. He's had expense. 
he's done all of this. He didn't ask for anything. He didn't ask for a dollar. Um, he's doing this because it is a ministry. Many of you know that ministry is when a person gets a passion in their heart to meet the needs and to help others. That's ministry, meeting the needs of others. And I want to thank Chad very much for his ministry. We're going to dismiss with prayer. We're going to ask God to bless us this week. We're going to thank him for um, all of this great information that we've received. So let's bow our heads. Father, send revival to America. We, 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 we want this. We pray not just for SOS Church, but we pray for our world. We pray for revival to sweep America. We ask that you uh, minister to each and every person that has been here this month and that has received this, this great word from our speaker, Chad Horton. Father, we ask that you bless Chad's ministry and bless the ministry of our leaders that are just all across the nation right now. We, 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 would, we want to be blessed and, and help us with our behaviors this, this week. Help us to apply our money and to develop good behaviors toward that. Help us in our life groups as we continue to have great discussion about this and minister to us. Bless us this week in your name. Everybody said yes. All right, you are dismissed. <laughs>